Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, did you, when you heard the gospel lesson, did you hear Jesus speaking to you? I mean, Jesus said, you didn't choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you to bear fruit, fruit that will last. It's a big temptation to read that passage as if Jesus was just talking to the original 11 or 12. But I would ask you to reject that kind of interpretation. Jesus is intentionally speaking down through the centuries to everybody whom he already knew who it was, who would be a person who could receive faith and be a disciple. And he was telling you, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And that your life would be fruitful, that's what it's here for. If you think about it, this little time that we have, even if you live to be a 100, that period of time is going to prove to be so minor, so short. Someday you will have existed for millions of years. I don't even know if you'll remember what went on in this short period of time. And not only is it short, it's of inferior quality, right? I mean, here you got to fight with your own sinful nature and everybody else's sinful nature. you got to live here under the curse. you got to contend with Satan's presence. It definitely lowers the quality of our existence. So you might just want to feel like you're going to blow it all off, but I'm here to tell you that this period of life, no matter how much you get, whether it's a little or a lot, does have a purpose. That purpose is unique, and you should seek it. Jesus has you here to bear fruit, and not just anything but something that will matter forever, something that the kingdom of heaven values, and, and it will be remembered, it will be rewarded. And we've hit already, like I said at the beginning, several areas of your life where that purpose can be found. Today we want to talk about how it can be found in the working fellowship of a congregation and then also how you, as a representative of Jesus, can bring that out to your community, wherever you go. Now, if you look in the Bible, every time God refers to Christians, he does speak of them as being part of a congregation. We are not to be lone wolves. In fact, if you want to talk about animals... God refers to us as a certain kind of animal often. What's that animal? Sheep. Sheep are not built to be out there by themselves. Sheep are a flock animal. And there's several reasons for that. For one, we're tasty, okay? And if we're out there by ourselves, um, there are also wolves. And so is it too dangerous to be out there. And that's one big, big concern that I have for our current situation in the United States and world. 
And that is, I think we have a lot of people who are legitimately connected to Jesus, but yet who have decided they don't like a congregation. And maybe they don't like it for legitimate reasons. They've had experiences that are bad. So they decided to to be that lone sheep. They say, you know, I can believe what I believe and be all separate by myself. And you can, maybe for the whole run of it, but maybe not. And while I can understand perhaps leaving a congregation because of a terrible experience, I don't understand not picking up another one. It is just dangerous, let alone these other reasons. The passage that I kind of belabor, I admit it, uh, Jason brought it out in in his sermon, Ephesians 2.10 We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. That first part, we're his workmanship. How does he do that? A lot of our shaping, a lot of our building up, happens in the context of a congregation. It's with other Christians. It is not solo. Yes, there is some solo stuff. But if you miss the congregational stuff, you miss it. So together we encourage each other in prayer, in worship, in confession of our sins, in encouraging one another to obey, in participating in the Lord's Supper, which I don't think you can do completely solo, and in the study of Scripture. And then also, if you do get involved beyond this experience, if you get involved with further work, then, then you do experience God through life and through ministry. And in those ways, not only do you accomplish something right then, but you are sharpened to accomplish something more. And, and we should all want more because of its importance, not only to the people that we minister to, but to God and to ourselves in eternity. Another reason that we are together in a congregation is that when God uses the body of Christ as an analogy, he says that we are part of the body of Christ, you know, like a finger. We're not the whole body. We're a finger or whatever you want to pick. I don't care. Um, The point is, we're specified in certain tasks, and we need each other to kind of round that out to complete the act of making a disciple. I mean, you're not going to take a person from being hardcore unbeliever all the way through fully trained disciple of Jesus all by your lonesome. That's just not the way it works. And God uses all different kinds of people to make that happen. Now, sometimes it can seem very unplanned and uncoordinated. But that's just because we're not the ones coordinating it. It's the Holy Spirit. He is the overall planning. He's the one that puts us all together to work as a team. 
Now, like I said, a lot of people have decided, I don't like congregation. And I think, and this is just my theory, the primary reason why people don't like congregations is because there's people in them. Yes, I agree. People are a major pain in the neck. But so are you. So you fit, right? You fit in other with all the other pains in the neck because because we are sinners that's going to be naturally a part of it. So sinful nature will rub up against sinful nature and occasionally cause some friction or whatever. You gotta be prepared for it and and not so easily offended and understand what's going on. Sometimes in the very midst of our humanness, that is where you can fulfill your purpose the most. In forgiving, in rebuking, in guiding, all of that needs to be done within a congregation. So I'd like for you to think about your place in either this congregation or if you're a visitor or watching online from another congregation, your congregation, or if you have to own up to the fact that you don't belong to a congregation, how you could fit. Am I just sort of hanging on the edge, you know, tangential to it? Am I finding and fulfilling my purpose? I think it's great for all of you who are here today, and even for those of you who are watching online, I think it's great that, that you're here paying attention. That, that's something. But I do think you need to take it further than that. You need to seek out the opportunities to fulfill your purpose. And even if they don't come to seek you, that you would come and say, hey, God has laid this on my heart. I'm ready. You know what? I would. You'd probably have to get me off the floor first because I passed out. But I love it when people are entrepreneurial about ministry. I hate it. When I have to go, okay, we need these helpers. Who can I corner? Who's the kind of person that won't say no if I corner them? You know, that, that's not fun for me. Well, it's a little fun, but it's not normal fun. You know, I would love it much more if you came and said, let's get this going. I'll take the lead. So we have a lot that we can find inside the congregation. But then it doesn't just stay here. Heaven forbid our talking about Jesus would be confined to this building. Even worse, if it would be confined to just me. I'm just one man. We at least nominally, nominally, have a thousand people in this congregation. What if they all went out every day mindful of the fact that they are representatives of Jesus, had talked to God prayerfully about, here I am, send me, 
every day. And God says, fine, finally. And he sets you up for all these different things that you could do. Just think of how many people we could impact. The biggest thing that you could possibly do in the course of your life, I believe, is to be the one who introduces the gospel to somebody the first time, or at least the first time effectively. You think that people don't exist in the United States of America who don't know the gospel, but that would be wrong. That might have been true 50 years ago. It is not true today. I don't even know it was true 50 years ago. People get sort of half-baked versions of it. They sort of understand a few things, maybe, and other people are completely in the dark. So who's going to bring them light? And it, it needs to be people who understand it. Now, I'm not talking about teaching them calculus. I am talking about these, these basic facts. That you help people to understand that human beings do have a sin problem with God. We are not going to just get out of here and everybody go to heaven and it's all good. God is holy. We're not holy. So something has to give. Something has to happen. Then people need to know what Jesus Christ did in the course of his life. And you don't have to tell them every, every story. But why is he important? Why was he born from the Virgin Mary? He's a sinless, incarnate son of God. He's a human being made perfect, the only one after Adam and Eve who could fulfill the law, and he did. And when he dies on the cross, he's not being a victim. He came for that reason. When God brings the judgment of sin on Jesus, he's doing it potentially for everybody. Then all you need then, because Jesus has done all that, is to be connected to Jesus, and that is exactly what we did for Lily. And exactly what you need to urge upon people if they say, I believe it. Now, that may not be, you know, the first time you say it to them, but it might take some time. And they say, I believe it. What do I do now? You get baptized in the name of Jesus. That's what you do now. You start to live as a life, your life as a disciple. That I know some of you have sat in this church for a really long time and that you still think of yourself as people who couldn't possibly talk about their faith that way. That is nonsense. You certainly can. God will give you opportunities. It's not so hard. You know, people pitch you a curveball and say, well, how about this? Blah, blah, blah. I don't know. You can say, I don't know the answer. I'll get back to you. And then email me, all right? I have an email. You can use it. And as you wait for those opportunities, you know what? Prep yourself. Imagine yourself doing that. And when you get up in the morning, ask God, 
for chances. Help you to be ready, unafraid. Love people. Look at them and love them enough to want them to have eternal life. Listen to what they have to say and then ask them, could I share with you what I believe? And if they say, sure, then share. That's all it takes. Now, yes, there's a lot of other ways that you can help people out in the community. I mean, one we've already suggested, the, the disenfranchised Christian, you know, tell, talk to them about sheep for crying out loud. They, maybe they've never seen a sheep. I don't know. Whatever it takes, help them to understand that they need some congregation anyway. So as you take on your spiritual role amongst the people that God's placed in your life and you add it to the other things, your relationship to God by itself, your caring for your neighbor for their physical and emotional needs, you doing your godly best in your job or jobs or career or even in retirement, whatever volunteer roles you take, which you do, do it in the name of the Lord. And if you have parental responsibilities, either to a young child or a really old one, and if you are a spouse still, and you take all those things, you mask them together, and there it is. That's what you're here for. For however long God gives you, Do it for the glory of God, and you will hear from Jesus, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. Enter into the joy of your master. You've been faithful with a little. I will put you in charge of much. That's what you want. In Jesus' name, amen.